Dispatches, a production of Blurb Inc., is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello, everyone. This is Dan with Blurb, and I'm in Bondi Beach, uh, Australia today with Jackie Arthur, who is a book publicist who I met last night at a party here, a book launch in, in Bondi Beach, and I wanted to take the opportunity to come in and speak to her. Number number one, because she's so nice, and number two, because I'm a little bit uh, clueless when it comes to book publicity and actually what a book publicist does. But before we jump into that, a little background on who you are, where you came from. Hi, I'm so pleased you're here with me in Bondi Beach. Isn't it strange that we just met and then it was like, hey, can I come and do an interview? And yeah, yes, sure, the, why not? That's the Sydney way. That's the way we do it here. I love it. Um, look, you know, having said that, I'm actually originally from New Zealand. I knew there was something, and, uh, a different tinge yes, in the accent. Yes, that's the tinge. I can say fish and chips. Fish and chips. Did All you right. notice that? Anyway, I, I come from New Zealand and uh, I'm from the deep, dark South Island. And I grew up and did most of my high school education in Auckland, where I started working in a bookshop, ah. which I utterly loved so much so that I left my university career such as it was at the time, and dedicated myself full-time to working in a bookshop. And that went on for quite some years. And then I moved here to Sydney, and I was lucky enough to get a job in book publishing. And that was back in the days when a lot of people in book publishing did come through that route. So through a bookshop, understanding what the shop floor was like, how retail worked. That's the front line. Of publishing. When you left your uni career and went to the bookshop, did your family and friends think you were crazy or was it accepted? Uh, it was accepted actually. I'd been a little bit haphazard about the university career, it has to be said. There was a lot of <laughs> drinking of coffee going on. That's fair. And um, no, they were pretty pleased for me actually. I, I remember my mother was quite delighted that I decided to commit to a, a full-time job and uh, you know, I was surrounded by books and, and the people that came into that shop were some of the, you know, the smartest, funniest, brightest, warmest, most intelligent people in Auckland at the time. And it was a, a hotbed of ideas and, and fun. And so it immediately made me realize uh, this is a great opportunity. I like this business. It is. I dream about that all the time. In fact, I sent a tweet out the other day that said, I don't know what it is about the bookstore, but it's by far one of my favorite places in Absolutely. the world. And there's just something about being in there. Yeah. Even if I leave without reading anything or buying anything, it still f- feels like time well spent. It, it is time well spent. And you know what? There's no one that doesn't have a place in a bookstore. Doesn't matter how old you are, what what your sex is, what you're interested in, you know, you're going to buy a comic or a magazine or a book, a novel, a self-help book, an art book, you name it. There's something in every single bookstore for everybody. Uh, so it is a very inclusive place. Um, I, I absolutely loved it there and uh, it was the place where I realised that I could do something with my life that was going to really make me happy, but also do a lot of good. I mean, there's no, nothing nicer than putting a great book into someone's hands, is there? No, not at all. And you, you migrated from the bookstore to the pub, to publishing world. Yes, I became a sales rep for Random House Australia, 
and I drove all around New South Wales, which is one of the states here in Australia, and uh, I visited every single country and bookshop that oh, there was. That sounds and wonderful. It was wonderful, and I drove a, a very large, powerful red car, you know, um, an Australian Ford Falcon. Ooh, that and, sounds hot. Uh, oh, it was. It was hot. And uh, I, I drove all over the place, uh, you know, from from Port Macquarie up north to west to Dubbo, right down south uh, to Bega, and I sold books to the little bookstores in town. And it was back in the days, it has to be said, when every little town did have a bookstore, which, you know, and I know it's probably uh, similar in in the States, but that's not true anymore. So again, I found myself on the right track. Gosh, that was incredible. I thought, how lucky am I? And then I, I noticed that one of the things that really made a big difference to me as a sales rep selling books was uh, response, uh, reviews, word of mouth, mm-hmm. what people were saying about books, not just what I was saying, but uh, it seemed to be called publicity. And mm-hmm. it had a real uh, sway over customers and they responded to good reviews. And uh, I thought, you know what? That is obviously a part of the industry that has real influence. And I'm dealing with some important stories here. Even as a sales rep, I was selling in books, uh, you know, in the mid-90s about AIDS and uh, about uh, what was happening in the in the Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia, sure. et cetera. They were really important stories. And I thought, you know, these are the sort of things that if you got this into the national discussion, the debate, we can actually... Change the world, yeah, you do know? Something. Yeah. So then I went to work in the UK and uh, was very lucky to get a job for a fledgling, fledgling publicity company. And that's where it all started. And so, what is a book publicist exactly? What do you do? Well, we have five obsessions, all of us. Those obsessions Only five. are print, radio, TV, online and live events for authors. So those are the five things that I'm basically thinking about all the time. Behind that is the question, how do I get your book into the national psyche? How do I get everybody talking about your ideas? And then thinking, gee, that's interesting. I think I'm going to head on down to the bookshop and pick up a copy of that book. Mm-hmm. That's that's the golden goose is when the money is exchanged and the yes. book is purchased. Yes, the and, goods. And that's when I know, you know, we've kicked a goal. So through those five mediums, print, radio, TV, online and live, I am constantly making that effort to get your book, your idea into the national discussion. Is there one of those five that you find the most important? Interesting question. Uh, I would say that over the years that I've been a book publicist, which would now be nearly 20, wow. um, I would say that, that, has, that the front runner in that respect has changed. I mean, it used to be if you could get yourself a, a spread on the Saturday paper, you know, mm-hmm. for example, when I was working in London, if you were in The Guardian, it was a sure thing. You know, you were in the G2 section, you, you've made it. That was the holy grail. Now, of course, we all know what's happened with newspapers and magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has simply dropped away. And while it still has merit, it certainly doesn't have the influence it used to. Um, I would say probably television uh, is 
right up there now because there are some shows that we all love that are made for books because they're about ideas. Um, uh, in Australia, you would say it was uh, Australian Story, which is on the ABC here, which is a, a half-hour, 40-minute show focusing solely on a regular Australian person, often with an, an extraordinary story. Okay. So it's a non-fiction uh, sure. place. In America, um, I guess it would be uh, interview TV shows, interview shows. I'm not quite sure what they'd be called. The Colbert Report, of course, is you know, a fantastic you, place for books. When you mention American television, my first thoughts just go to all the bad reality TV oh. shows. They're, they've just, and I don't even watch we're them. We're drowning in that yeah, too. We're drowning in it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, this cult of celebrity that's created out of these kind of reality TV shows carries into the book industry. You know. Um, we're uh, publishing, you know, we're publishing the winner of the bat, the Bachelor is right. writing a book about love. I just made that up, yeah. but you know, yeah. the the winner of MasterChef does a cookbook, so it it all generates back to books. But I guess now one of the things that I see that makes a, a huge difference immediately that I can see and, and that I personally adore is the live event, the mm. bums on seats moment. Bums on seats. You know what? We're living in uh, the global, the age of the global world, the internet. Content is king. Ideas are everything. And strangely, at, the, at the, the precise same time that we can all share so much, we really love the intimate moment too, more than ever. And it's terrifically satisfying to be involved in a live event that involves somebody like TEDx or a, fest a writer's festival mm -hmm. or um, a think tank kind of discussion event where people are sitting down and the discussion is live and vibrant in the room and ideas are swirling around. And I think that is one of the most exciting parts of book publicity right now. Because isn't it, is it true that, and I think what you're speaking to is the fact that when people get to buy a little piece of the author by being there. They're not just buying the work and the words and the story. They want to know. They want a little piece of that person. And when they get to meet them in person and be there live, I've always found it's much easier to sell books in person than it is online because yes. they get that one little extra piece. Yes, they call it experiential marketing. You know, if you can actually have a piece of the experience, it kind of bonds the, the, the punter and the artist together forever in a way I mean we all remember those moments that we've been in a room where an idea was put out there and the room stills and people oh, wow yes that's a great feeling and and then you're uh, you know that's it and you will and the other very potent thing about the live event is we all love to have something to talk about sure and you know to share a really vibrant modern new idea uh, over dinner with some friends great Absolutely. Yeah. So that's probably one of my most favorite parts of book publicity right now is the live experience. And I have friends in the U.S. who are in, in publishing and other friends who are in the art world. And, and when you achieve a certain level and a certain position, they, they've in some way become a target. You know, they go out and everybody is after them. Is that sort of with all the with the volume of books being published today, have you become in some way, shape or form a target? Like, for example, the event last night. Is, do, are people after you to do this for them or is, are you, is there still a barrier around you where you can you focus on specific projects only? Uh, 
I'm enormously flattered by your question, first of all. <laughs> um, uh, do you know, I've worked, as I said, I've alluded to, I've worked in the book industry for all of my working life, and it amazes me that people uh, want to ask me so many questions. And, of course, uh, being right in the thick of it, I don't realise how much I know. And uh, I'm so happy to give people advice and to tell people things about books and publishing. Um, all of this information has been given to me over years and years. So I think in years gone by, there was something secret about publishing. And it could be something to do with the competitive element between artists and that they would keep their own experience and their contacts and their knowledge to themselves, mm -hmm. lest somebody else dived in there sure. and took it away so there's always this it's there's this shrouded in secrecy thing uh, which also makes it all the more interesting of course um personally i find um people do approach me to to uh, be involved in in projects and uh i very often um you know make very serious consideration to being involved and and you know uh Yes, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I do get approached, but I don't get followed down the street, no. Okay, not yet anyway. <laughs> no. Well, that's a good transition into the next question for me, which details self-publishing. And we've seen over the past five years some pretty remarkable success stories in regard to self-publishing, hence an explosion in self-publishing. And I'm curious how you feel about that in general, and has the, the, uh, the advancements in self-publishing, has it affected how you do publicity? in any way, shape, or form? Um, the self-publishing uh, thing is really interesting. I myself come from a traditional book publishing background, so we have always looked at the self-publishing uh, world as, and forgive me for saying this, but something of the poor relation. And I think many people perceived that, you know, if you couldn't get a traditional publishing contract sure. or deal, mm -hmm. you would take the self-publishing route. Now, we all know that that's an absolute untruth and that the most successful authors at work today, uh, many of them have self-published first and found enormous amounts of success. And, of course, the financial rewards for self-publishing are, are, are great. So, I mean... I guess when, when you go through a traditional publisher, you have a lot of uh, effort and might and experience around you because you have marketing and publicity and editors and publishers and, uh, and all that sort of thing. Um, sometimes self-publishing can be quite a lonely business. Sure. Um, uh, and uh, I think sometimes people have floundered in the huge playing field that it is. But there is... Uh, a lot of merit to self-publishing for obvious reasons. I mean, now we've, the book industry is changing so much. You've got a traditional marketplace, but then again, you've got books that are published outside of that, and rightly so, because the world doesn't f work in just the one way anymore. Um, one of the really interesting parts, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe about self-publishing is that uh, the book has turned in from something of an entertainment purely into more of a calling card and a self-marketing tool, which is actually a tremendously useful and intelligent way to use books. So people can market themselves through their self-published books into different areas. For example, if you're a business thinker or an entrepreneur, you might um, develop a book, a package that contains your ideas, and you can sell it and market it as a book. But actually what you're doing is increasing your own 
profile and getting it out there. And there's nothing better than somebody going, it's been so nice to meet you. I'm so interested in the things you've had to say. Here's a copy of my book, which contains a bit more about me. My number's in the back. Let's, you know, let's talk more. Sure. And I think some of the really, I mean, certainly for nonfiction publishing, I think that's a really clever way to go. And has, um, has the self-publishing explosion changed your life as a publicist because potentially there's a lot of people coming out of nowhere that have really phenomenal stories to tell and suddenly instead of maybe just being in the traditional channel we've got all of these other people out there and the self-publishers seem to have much more of a need for a publicist because they aren't in that traditional channel so when you look at the future do you think this is going to be more a part of what you do or are is are you going to stick with the traditional channel no i think it's going to be more of what i do Definitely. I, I actually, is that I, scary or is that a No, I, I welcome it. I say bring on all of those kooky ideas. I want them. Good. <laughs> you know, uh, traditional publishers are constrained by the fact that they are uh, servicing their traditional customers who, who traditionally, sorry, are bookshops. Mm-hmm. Um, the self-publishing is, is different because they can market themselves to people directly and through non-traditional channels. So um, immediately you can see there's an opening for stories that wouldn't naturally sit in a more traditional bookshop sense. So there's, it becomes much broader. Uh, and I, I, I say, as I say, bring it on. I want to work with those kind of people that have those really innovative and new ideas. I'm and really also, glad. Self, I love the self-starter feeling that a self-publisher has. Well, it seems a lot of the self-publishers that I run to are hungry. They are, re- yes. they are so driven to yeah. get the stuff out. So case study, case in point here. Yeah. Last night we attended Remo's book launch for Fantastic General Thinker. Fantastic night, yes. Great night. Uh, Remo's has, has had a long career. Yes. He's an interesting guy. He knows everybody. He has a great network. Is that enough? And is can a book, let's say that you're not Remo, can a book survive without a publicist or without publicity like that? Can people do the entire process on their own today or is the publicist like the, the thing that's going to take them over the top? I think, um, look, the first thing here is that writers are, in my mind, are creatives and artists. And as we all know, that sometimes the creatives and the artists are not the best people to market themselves. Yes. And the support that a publicist offers a creative is invaluable because, I mean, can you imagine pitching yourself for a TV interview? It's, I mean, none of us... Horrifying. Yes, it's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and the ego that would be needed to achieve that is is indecent. So nobody wants that to happen. I think that uh, a publicist can offer the support through you know the marketing, the social media, the the traditional publicity, um, and even the sales element. Because at heart, publicists are salespeople. Mm-hmm. They're just selling ideas rather than a, 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 mon- a commodity, a thing. So they're very experienced in, you know, if you're working with a book publicist, for example, you would hope you would be working with a book publicist who understood completely the landscape that the book has been published into and all of the elements at play there. So I I feel that artists and creatives really, really do need and benefit and should have, if they can possibly see a way to make it happen, that support that a a good publicist would offer them. there's lots of ideas that people have, endless, 
And, you know, we do it to ourselves. Sometimes I think, God, I could do with my own publicist, you know, because how am I going to ring up? And, and I've had this great idea. I would love to be involved in this project, but, you know, my ego won't let me make the call. But that's what a publicist will do for you because mm -hmm. they separate all of that personal connection out and they look at the, the book. They think this is an important and valuable thing I've got here in front of me and it's got a lot to offer. And then the other thing the publicist knows is that print, radio, TV, online, live, that is a huge amount of blank space you're talking about. So journalists and editors and producers are constantly needing content. Sure. So the publicist is in the business of, of, of filing the content into the right places. For an artist, that's very... It's, it's tough to do. It's sure. definitely doable. Well, that's, that's multiple jobs. You're wearing one person wearing all those hats. And I think a lot of times when people hear self-publishing, they think I've got to do every single piece of this myself. And yeah. that's not the case. And in, no, many, in many cases, that's the wrong approach to take because you might not be an editor or designer or publicist. That's correct. Yeah. So the next question I have could be, could be scary. It might not be. Uh, it's a it's a term that I love to to throw around hybrid publishing. Which when I talk about hybrid, it's the physical book, the digital book, and sometimes people are a little put off by the digital side. Or on the flip side, I get people who say only want to publish a digital book. So let's take that as an example. Say that I'm an author and I've got a book and I just want Kindle. I just want to go Kindle. I don't even want a physical book. Does the Has the advent of the digital book changed your life as a publicist? And are there certain tricks and things that you do aimed at the digital market that are different from the print market? Uh, interesting question. Um, there was like 12 <clears throat> questions in there. Yeah. I'm just going to answer my bit that I can remember. So, That's perfect. Um, you know... In publishing at the moment, the, the thing about digital books and, and say e-books and p-books is what we call them, is that they both have a commonality in that they contain ideas and they're propelled by personality, the author. So you've got these two elements, content, personality. So as far as the publicist is concerned, Again, as I said at the beginning, my idea, my thought is constantly, how do I get this concept, this idea, this person discussed so much so that the book will be bought? So really, I'm looking to always work with the ideas and the personality. Whether it's a P or an E is less of a big deal for me because I'm not going to be judged on the margin that I'm making and that will depend on PRE. Mm -hmm. My goals that I kick are column inches and airtime. Okay. And whether you're at the Sydney Writers Festival or, you know, uh, the Penn Festival in New York or, or whatever. I want you in those moments. Um, I guess what we know about ebook purchases is that they are very motivated by price and they're also genre buyers. So quite often, and also they respond very well to merchandising online. So quite often, uh, publishers will understand these elements, of course, and they will group books together. So I guess for people who are particularly keen on purchasing ebooks, we know, as I say, they like price, they like merchandising, and they are genre buyers. So p publishers will group that kind of stuff together. So. I guess social media promotion for people who are particularly driven towards E is very successful. Okay. Um, 
And I guess, you know, then there's the uh, the more traditional kind of buyers who will still be reading the newspaper on Saturday. Sure. Um, so I, I really, that's why I've got those five avenues, print, radio, TV, online and live. And, you know, really, if there's another avenue, I'd like to hear about it. But space. I think that kind of... <laughs> space. Yes, no, I haven't done space yet. Well, you've got to start working on that. <laughs> Quickly, immediately. Yes. Um, the publishing world has seen a lot of changes in the past, I don't know, 10 years. I mean, even since the financial collapse in 08, a lot of, a lot of changes. Huge. Do you see any, any significant changes in the immediate future of publishing? And then if you can maybe look at the crystal ball a little bit, do you see anything 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road that's, that, we don't, that I, a person like myself would not see coming? Gosh, um, I think probably one of the things we're going to see and all really enjoy is um, far more highly developed and and impressive ebooks you know that have uh, embedded images and uh, a much more interactive experience okay. and I I anticipate that that will become so advanced that we barely remember that they're books well that's interesting because the last question I was going to ask you is about the future of book and do you think that it would be reinvented at any point in time undone redone reinvented and I think that's what you're you're speaking to now we've We've kind of heard about these advances in the in the multimedia books for a long time, and now they're starting to get really interesting. And so you think that that's, and I, I think one of the interesting questions is, are we going to even call them books at that point? Well, <clears throat> I think this is this is a great discussion, and I think the question before that is, book publishers, and you know, book publishers perhaps we shouldn't be calling them book publishers anymore. We should just be calling them publishers or content providers because in fact now that the punter, the customer is actually controlling so much of how they receive the information, the ideas inside books, they are the ones dictating I want it, I want an audio book, I want a digital book, I want embedded text, I want a paper book, a p-book, I, I want all these different mediums and, and the publishers have responded and have had to. And so really they need to understand that they're content providers. So as the channels for consumption present themselves, they need to go there. They have to go there to remain relevant. That's a great point. That was a great answer. And I think that was a decent question too. So I, I thought mean, the just question to blow was excellent. Yeah, no, I'm, I was totally up with that. On a personal level, yeah. what do you read? I, do you know something? I read... Uh, a lot of nonfiction. Okay. Um, and I do very much because I read a lot of nonfiction because so much of my job is about fiction. So um, it's a balance. Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm very lucky to be working in an environment where I've I've always got lots to read. But the fiction I I adore and I love it. I read Sarah Waters. I read Sarah Dunant. I read David Mitchell. I read. Uh, uh, you read Persian cookbooks? I read Persian cookbooks. I'm particularly yes. keen on those. Um, and then I, I read a lot of nonfiction. I'm very interested in, uh, in personal stories, in war stories, in, and in history, actually. And uh, uh, biography, I suppose. I find there's... I love ideas, as we all do. This is the business we're in. We're so lucky. And I do find that reading about people's lives, you often have some of those aha moments. 
-hmm. you know, coupled with, I've been there, that's happened to me, Uh uh-huh, makes sense. So, yeah, pretty wide reader. Well, that was a fantastic interview. And I literally sprung these questions on you as we sat down here. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to do this interview. It was wonderful. I learned a ton. And I think everybody that's going to come to the the site and see this is going to learn a lot. And Blurb has literally thousands and thousands of clients around the world that are going to appreciate you sharing that information. So again, thank you so much for taking time to do that. Well, thank you for for coming here. And I love your headphones. And I would just like to say (laughs) one thing to sign off. to all you writers out there and to the people at Blurb that, you know, books and writing is really one of the most important things. And for the writers, the most important thing to remember, the most important point is that it is your responsibility to write the best book you possibly can. That's it. All the marketing and the publicity and the sales and the distribution and the cover and the final uh, typeface will be sorted out by people who really know what they're doing. But as the writer, you have to write the best book you possibly can. Wow. Very well said. Thank you. Thank you.